Okay, we're back with Alex Ferrari. Thank you so much, Alex. Really good stuff here. Um, I wanted to, I, I have this theory, and I'd love to get your input because no one knows more about the indie film market, including distribution, than probably you. I appreciate that. I have this theory that to begin with, the over the past 10 years, let's say, mm -hmm. the theatrical market was shrinking a little bit because mm -hmm. more and more people were tending to watch movies on Netflix or Amazon or Hulu. Now we have Peacock, Disney Plus, and it just goes on and on and on. And more and more people are, are trading in their 30-inch plasmas for 60, 80, 100-inch screens, surround sound in your homes. And then post-COVID, it seems that we, we don't know the actual numbers yet, but some people have said approximately 25% of screens will, will close. I think there's still going to be a theatrical world. And I'm, I'm one of those guys that will go to the movie theater forever. I mean, I'm not mm -hmm. going to see Mission Impossible on a 50-inch screen. I want, I want the full immersion experience. Um, my question for you is, with these smaller theatrical exhibitions, is it, is it just insanity for a second or third or fourth time filmmaker to, to jump out of the $2 million box. Like I, what, what our audience here is, is like 50,000 to 2 million. Cause I think you can make a really, really good movie for one to $2 million. No, yeah. Maybe, maybe some decent names too. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's insanity to, to do the five, 7 million indie, um, you know, unless you're really prepared. I'd love to get your take. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. I think anyone breaking that $2 million barrier, um, it's just so difficult to generate revenue with your film in pre-COVID world. I can't even, I can't even fathom what it's going to be like post-COVID. Uh, you know, I've done, I've, I've spoken about distribution and revenue generation with films at nauseum on my podcast. And, you know, in 2019, when I went to AFM, um, the American film market, uh, I, I had the uh, opportunity to meet with a lot of distributors who wanted to meet with me because of the distributor aggregator breakdown and, and, and all that stuff that I was involved with. Um, and I sat down with, with many distributors. And at one point, I just kept hearing the same spiel of them basically ripping off filmmakers. And I just sat there one, on one of these meetings. I just turned on like, oh, you guys, can I say something? You guys really have no idea how you're going to make money, do you? And they straight up looked me in the face and they go, yeah, we, we really don't know where the, the money is going to be because uh, everything's changing so rapidly that we're just basically, our business model is to acquire as many products uh, or many films as possible with no money up front, lock them in for seven to 10 years, if not longer. So our, so our, um, our library looks nice and big. So then, then we can negotiate full library deals with new streaming services as they pop up around the world. That's the only thing that we do. And then once we have films, we just throw it up against the, we throw it up against the wall to see what sticks. And if something sticks, we'll put a little bit of heat behind it. If it doesn't stick, it just goes into the netherworld and it's gone. And we never think about it again. And the filmmaker will never make another dollar off of it. Um, not that they will make a dollar off of it, even if it does stick. Um, that's just generally the way the distribution world works. It's there to, to it's built to screw over the filmmaker. And, and I'm not saying all, there are good distributors out there. There's, there's good distributors, there's ethical distributors, there's distributors who actually care about filmmakers and care about building relationships with filmmakers, but they are anomalies. 
they are outliers. They are not the norm in, this, in, in, the, in the distribution space. So with theatrical, you know, I've been saying this for years and I'm not the only one that theatrical has, you could just look at the numbers. Theatrical has been going down slowly and there's been this false kind of bubble in the theatrical world and also in the, in, in, I think personally in Hollywood in general, there's a bubble that's about to pop, which was two, twofold. One, theatrical, uh, the numbers have kind of stayed the same as far as box office returns, but there's less people going, going to the theater, but the prices of tickets are going up. And Correct. they're also giving, they're, they're getting more event style things like IMAX screens and premium seating and all of that stuff. So the prices have been going up and that's, that's what's been keeping those numbers kind of artificially inflated um, for a long time. And then on the second day, on the second point, the theatrical the theatrical component of the hollywood system has been such a uh, uh, you know if you remember the us market was the biggest market in the world when i was coming up in the 90s it was 70 30 meaning 70% of the box total box office was us 30% was worldwide well that's pretty much turned on the other side now now it's 70% worldwide uh, and 30% us with so, china right well china's a big part big of that part. Big, big part of that, but also China is also very limiting. They only they they only let in like ten or fifteen movies a year from the U.S. It's not like it's you know a ton of ton of cash, and that's a very kind of weird relationship right now. Anyway, I I, I know right now that we're not allowed to see, you know buyers aren't buying from China. That was a big revenue um, hit to independent filmmakers. I sold this as Meg to China. Um, I can't sell my second film on the corner of Eagle and Desire to China because they're just. There's trade embargoes and there's issues with it and you just can't do it. So now because of COVID, the international market has shut down. Um, and well, the whole world theatrically has shut down. But even as the US tries to get some sort of revenue generating theatrically, the rest of the world is it's gonna take a it's gonna take a minute before everything comes back up. And who knows when China is really gonna start letting us back in. So now you have to ask yourself the question, does the U.S. studio system, does Hollywood's current business model make sense? Does it make sense to spend $250 million on a movie and then another $250 million on marketing without a theatrical component? Are we going to lose the blockbuster? Are we going to lose the tent poles? Or are they going to be so, they're going to be, so, they're only going to be the Avengers. There's only going to be the Marvel movie or basically Disney films uh, and the occasional Fast and Furious or James Bond film or something like that. And even then, does it make sense without a theatrical component? So I think the theatrical component will come back, but it's going to be going down, 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 down. And guys like you and me who are, who are from a generation where the movie theater is, has such an impact on us because it was such a part of our upbringing and our part and connection with cinema, the generation behind us does not have that connection. Their connection is to their phones, to their tablets, to their screens. That is what they, how they consume media. So as the generation coming up behind us, as we start to get older and older and our generation starts to die out and die out, in 30 years, the theatrical experience will look much more like Broadway than it looks now, where tickets will be 150 bucks, yeah. 200 bucks you know, to it, go see. It's just different, but at, at the same time, I also think it's very, very exciting for the ambitious young filmmaker or, or novice mm -hmm. filmmaker who wants to do a hundred thousand dollar film because you do have these platforms like Quibi and all these streaming platforms. So, you know, there, there, I think there's a lot of opportunities. There is a lot of opportunity, but it's, it's the key is how to get that opportunity and how to actually 
actually get money from it. <laughs> yeah, so and, and that's where they need to listen to you. They need to go over yeah, the platform. The platforms, if you can get to the platforms, it's a question, but who's the middleman between you and are they going to pay you? That's the question yeah. you have to ask yourself. So one, one of my favorite movies I've seen recently, and I'm not just saying this because I'm on, on with you, was uh, On the Corner of Ego and Desire. Uh, oh, simply that. because I'm immersed in this business yeah. and you get a couple of uh, desperate filmmakers <laughs> going to Sundance <laughs> to try to sell a film. That's enough said. <laughs> okay. You had me at hello. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you got to see this movie, especially if you're listening to this podcast, you're the audience for On the Corner of Ego and Desire. So um, you had a Big travel budget, I'm sure. I'm guessing, though, you were able to do it for under 500 grand, is what I heard. Uh, the film was done for about $3,000 total. What? Um, yeah, the movie was done for $3,000. That was the out of pocket cost. Wow. Okay. Okay. So, including, including flights and, and, and food and stuff. That was basically the main expense. But you had, you had like lodging and stuff, or you just like uh, couch No, surf? lodging. No, we couch surfed because my producer had, um, if, you, if you saw wow. the movie, that party that you saw in the uh -huh. movie. Yeah. That's where we stayed. That's his, that's his place. Oh, so, okay. and we threw that, he throws that party every year. So, um, we just filmed it. Um, it was just part of it. So he was my co-producer. Wow. Adam, Adam Bowman was my co-producer on that project. So we had his, it's like a multi-million dollar suite that he has on main suite. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I decided to make the movie. I was like, Hey, you know, Adam, would you, would, would, let's make a movie. Cause we have that great resource of your, 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 condo on main street let's make this movie and and then i pitched him the idea and he was like let's do it so lodging the only things that were really out of cost pockets were um some ca cast and crew which were minimal because we only shot for four days um and wow. then and then <laughs> flying them in and then flying them in and wow. feeding them basically so that's the basis cost of the film the camera gear was mine um I had some back end deals with some uh, with, with friends of mine as far as the my DP Austin, um, you know I pulled favors and then I handled all the post and the camera gear was all mine. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it it wasn't. Well, really it, it looked like a three hundred thousand dollar film, but that's you know you amortized all the gear, all the connections. Yeah, and, and then the and the and the cast of thousands had no idea who were in my film. Yeah, and you got a lot of <laughs> you got a lot production of uh, central casting background talent production value. Um, yes, exactly. And, and that's, that's one of the things, it's, it's not really a discussion I go deep into, but just a, a friendly reminder to everyone, the easiest dollar to raise is the dollars you don't spend. So yeah. you're, you're certainly a master um, of that. So definitely uh, go, go check out that movie. Uh, let me ask you this, because you, you know this audience better than anyone in the indie film world. Why do you think raising money, and that's really what I focus on, seems to be such a big hurdle for so many filmmakers? And why do you think most people quit? They just, they just give up after, you know. Because, because filmmakers are filmmakers. They're not business people. And filmmakers who don't understand the business side of this industry don't survive at the end of the day. So when they go to an investor, they'll pitch them. And what they're doing is they're spending 30 minutes talking about the story and they don't care about the story. You, you, your, your investment pitch 
to an investor should be a two sentence log line about the movie and then you get into the business where you're going to get your ROI, how you're going to get your return, how you're going to do this, this, and this. That's what they want to hear. Most, fil most filmmakers have no idea about any of that. So there's that. And then because you're not, you, especially when you're starting out, and trust me, I've gone down this road so many times where I've, I've spent money on a PPM, on a full business plan, on that, that, whole, that whole remote, you know, spending thousands of dollars on, on projections and all of this kind of stuff. Um, but there was, it was all fluff and then a, a smart investor, smart money, not dumb money, but smart money will look right, see right through it. And honestly, independent film is a very risky proposition because yeah. was it 90%, 98% of films, independent films don't generate, don't return money. A lot of that, a lot of that has to do with the distribution model in the world that we live in because it's basically predatory and it's built to steal money from filmmakers. Um, but if you know what you're doing and you're partnering with proper people, then um, your chances are much better. So if you're going to do an investment a pitch, having a producer's rep and or sales agent that you know and trust that has a very good reputation, there's a handful out there um, that can say, hey, look, with this kind of film, this is the experience. So now you're bringing in people who have done this a lot. So now you're leveraging their experience, their name, their reputation. That ad, You've already just catapulted yourself as an independent filmmaker to the top percentile. Wait, um, are you talking about bringing a producer's rep on in early before yeah, you pitch it? Okay. A sales rep, even if you might have to pay a little bit to have that that association. Yeah, you probably even will, if it's a few, th yeah. even a few thousand dollars. Let's say if it's two, three thousand bucks, they have them associated with the project, and based off the project and having that conversation, having that person will will help you generate will help you land an investor so much more quickly. If you have a producer or executive producer who's done this before attached to you. You could still be the first time filmmaker, but having an executive producer who's done three, four, five, ten movies and has made money with them, automatically you're even up to the higher percentile of, of filmmakers out there pitching to investors. You've got to position the package. You've got to position the the uh, pitch in a way that it's a no-brainer or it mitigates the risk as much as humanly possible. Most filmmakers go come in and this is a standard pitch and you please tell me, I'm sure you've heard a couple. Um, please tell me, Hey, I've got this movie. It's about, uh, you know, my, my brother and, uh, his, his journey to college football and it's great and blah, blah, blah. Um, we're going to, all we need is 500,000. Okay. 500,000. <laughs> all I need is 500. I've never made a movie. I need 500,000. Yeah. By the way, we're going to shoot um, in California. So there's no tax, there's no tax, uh, credits or, at all. There's no, no benefits to shooting in California. So we're going to do that. So now California is a really cheap place to film. And by the way, it's really, it's really cheap and extremely <laughs> indie film friendly. You don't have to, you don't have to buy uh, or actually get a permit to fart here in California. <laughs> so, um, it, so that, and then they go, and then they're going to go, well, who's in it? They're like, Oh, I'm casting all my local friends and actors who work at this comedy troupe down the street. Yeah. This is I've, a pitch. Yeah. This, bye bye. That, that's I've, a, I, yeah. I've heard that. That, that pitch is, that pitch is, is done. And then, then the, the question always asked like, well, how are you going to generate your money? Oh, well, we're going to go to Sundance. Yeah. Or, um, or we're just going to go to a film festival in general. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that's we'll, we'll take worse, it on the film festival circuit. We'll take it on the film festival circuit. Then we'll get bids uh, and, and get offers from these big yeah. distributors. And if that doesn't work out, we'll just go to a film market and try to sell it there directly. Yeah. There's no, there's everything I've just said. There's no guarantee 
and and probably will that investor will never see a dime of that film and based off of that more likely that filmmaker has no idea how to actually make a film um, yeah. well like like you often I've, I've heard you say a couple times it's the ego of the first time <laughs> filmmaker versus experience absolutely ego is the is the greatest crusher of dreams in in general but in our industry specifically because you know we're so it's this it's this craziest business we've ever I, i've ever seen because as i analyzed other industries it's not logical it's not logical in this in, in the least because if you go if i told you right now hey hey scott um i'm gonna go build a house uh, i've never built a house but i watch hgtv all the time so i feel that i can build a house i need four hundred fifty thousand dollars to build this 3200 square foot two-story house uh here in california uh, I, by the way, I've never done real estate before, but I feel that I can make this thing work. And then uh, I'm also going to build it uh, in the v very low income place. So it's going to be, I'll be the most expensive house on the, in the neighborhood by like at least $500,000. So now you have no understanding about market. You have no understanding about construction. You have no understanding about the business in general. That's, is the, that's the lunacy of some filmmaker who's 22 coming up and go, I need half a million to make this opus of mine. Yeah. No, Without it's, it, any it's way of, of generating revenue. It's crazy. But that's standard practice. Why? Because Hollywood has been selling that sizzle, but is not really good at selling that steak. Yeah. And that's well, I think, I think you gave some great advice a minute or two ago is to try to team up with an experienced producer or an experienced executive producer that has all that, those years and years of experience and that knowledge. But one to ask you before we wrap up, do you have any final advice um, for filmmakers trying to raise money? Or any, any tips you would uh, try to impart to them? You need to educate yourself as much as you can once the, once from the point of a locked picture to the very end of distribution. All of that is where you need your education because most of the people listening have an education in regards to how to make a movie. But most do have no understanding how to raise money for a film, let alone sell the movie. Because raising the money is one thing and you might get one shot. You might get, you might find some dumb money somewhere. Somewhere you might find some dumb money that they're going to just give you half a million dollars. I've seen it all the time. So it does happen. But if you go and you fail, that's the one shot you have. You should be building a career. You should understand what this business is and, and not not go away from the business, dive into the business, dive into the marketing, dive, dive into the finance, dive into the distribution and how to generate revenue with your film. Because if you don't, you will not make it. You will be, you will quit. You will be that angry and bitter filmmaker. As I've said all the time, every one of us knows an angry and bitter filmmaker. And if you don't know an angry and bitter filmmaker, you are the angry and bitter filmmaker. Um, so learn and educate yourself as much as possible on the process post filmmaking the non-sexy part i find the post sec the post filmmaking part extremely sexy i love the business side i love the finance i love the distribution side i love the the revenue generating side of the business because that's where people see your film but the other part is what everyone focuses on and that's why most filmmakers fail well there you have it heard it from uh, alex ferrari uh best-selling author of rise of the film entrepreneur and um what, what's the best way, there you go, 
And that's a great picture, by the way. Yes. yes. Um, what's, the, um, what's the best way for people to follow you um, on your YouTube channel, your website? Go ahead and, and shout out. The, the, the main hub for everything I do is at IndieFilmHustle.com. There you'll find links to everything, all my social media, all my other platforms. If you're interested in screenwriting, you can go to BulletproofScreenwriting.tv, which is uh, dedicated to just screenwriters, and then FilmTrepreneur.com or um, FilmmakingBusiness.com is a, a quick hack to get to that quickly. Um, that's the FilmTrepreneur site, which is only focused on distribution and revenue generation, self-distribution, things like that for your film. Um, and Indie Film Hustle TV is the streamwriting, uh, the streaming service that I have. And I just recently launched IFH Academy for high-end education, um, really high-end education for, uh, for filmmakers. And I have a, a thousand other places, uh, things to do and to promote. But the book is on Amazon, Ego and Desires on Amazon Prime, if you want to check it out right now. Um, so, and leave a review if you like it. There you have it from Indie Film Hustle. Dot com. Alex Ferrari, thank you so much for uh, fitting us in your very, very busy schedule. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure, man. Thank you for doing the good work you're doing out there. Tune in next week. Or for more info, visit financeyourmovie.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you have a story to tell the world, never give up on your dream. Copyright Nemours Marketing.